preparation for today's message, we shall be reading from the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. Again, that is Galatians, chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desire of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The title of today's message is Spirit versus Flesh, based on Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. Now, Paul, the apostle or the writer to the Galatians, warned that freedom in Christ should not be used as an opportunity for the flesh, and that if the Galatians bit or devoured one another, they would end up destroying each other. Paul encouraged them to love one another instead of destroying one another, citing the teaching of Christ and also from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Although he cited part of the moral law, justification is not through love, even though he said love one another. Within the context of Galatians, justification is by faith alone. And if one is justified by faith, the Spirit works through them. Again, although loving one another is important, that is what every believer should do. It is not love that justifies us. It is faith in Christ and what He has done. His suffering and death and resurrection. That was the work of Christ, fulfilling, fulfilling the Old Testament ceremonies of the law that foreshadowed His coming. Those were clues of the coming of Christ and the justice system which that God would apply where an innocent lamb would be sacrificed by the Jewish people in the Old Testament every year as a sacrifice for their sins. The animal was innocent. The animal had no sin and that's how the process was. So that the coming of Christ, a person with no sin, the only person worthy, that's why in Revelation they sing a song to him, worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. And he was slain and he is alive again. He is the only one worthy to cover our sins and to forgive us our sins. It must be clear that the gospel is about faith in Him and not the works of the law. In that time, the works of the law was circumcision was the first step. The Judaizers were promoting, yes, you can have faith in Christ, but that's not enough. And Paul warned, if you or anything else 
rely on the works of the law for justification except faith, then you are severed from the grace of God. That he warned. Now, the moral law is something that we should still apply. Every believer must live in a moral way. But morality does not justify us. It's not a point system that we have to do so many good works to be acceptable to God. Only Christ is acceptable to God. Only Christ is worthy. We are unworthy, but our faith in Him, because He is worthy, gives us the justification through Christ. Now, does that mean we are free not to do anything we want like sin? And the answer is no, because one who has truly the faith in Christ, one who has true faith in Christ also has the Spirit of God. And Paul would be discussing about the Spirit. In fact, faith in Christ and the, the Holy Spirit they are directly correlated to one another. Meaning, you cannot have faith in Him unless the Spirit, not through the Spirit, without the Spirit, there's nothing. Yet, at the same way, if you truly have faith in God, it means the Holy Spirit is at work within you. And that's what, experientially, some of us would say, something changed within me when I started believing in the Holy Scriptures or in the Gospel, something changed within me. My worldview has changed. Or even some of us, we would say, uh, some things happened overnight because the Spirit of God and faith in Him are always there together. Now, without the Spirit of God, and people may claim they have faith in Him, but do not walk by the Spirit, and the evidence of walking by the Spirit will be the fruit of the Spirit, which we will discuss in later sermons, then we have to ask the question, is my faith genuine? Is it true? Is it real? Or is it just mental? Or is it just a belief in facts, not a belief from the heart? And we know that mind and heart are the same thing when you speak about the Holy Scriptures. You set your mind, meaning you also set your heart into it. Now, again, we are justified by faith alone, by trusting in Him, believing in what He did and who He is. That also means we entrust our lives to Him. It also means we believe Him more than we believe ourselves. That's why you cannot end up saying, oh, but this is what I think you know. The question is, is that what the Bible says? Because if you still keep thinking that way, then I don't think you have true faith. Because genuine faith is you trust in His words more than yours. That's why some people think they believe in Him, but their actions betray it. Or their, even their thoughts betray it. Point number one is walk by the Spirit, as Paul instructed. And let us read verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Paul made it clear that by walking by the Spirit, one would not give in to the cravings of the flesh. 
The statement implies that if one does not walk by the Spirit, one will satisfy the desires of the flesh. Take note at the elements of verse 16 carefully, and that's how to study Scripture. Not in passing, not like sometimes we don't listen to our teachers. I could tell because I, I teach. I could tell if somebody's not really listening because when, they, when you ask them, what did I say? They can't really give you the major elements. Their mind was fleeing or thinking about something else. And in studying scripture, we must be so focused in trying to understand what was said what did the author say and what did the author mean during that time? And then we can ask, how does it apply to us? Now he says, walk by the Spirit. So there's the element of the Spirit. Although the Spirit was mentioned several times prior in the early part of chapter 5 and the earlier chapters. The Spirit was mentioned that if you walk by the Spirit, and remember, you have the Spirit by God's grace if your faith is genuine. Or the Spirit comes to you so that your faith can be genuine. Now, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, what is the flesh? There's the element of the flesh. The flesh is the inclination to sin, the natural inclination to sin. Some theologians, or many theologians, call it the sinful nature. We are sons of Adam who sinned. And because of Adam, sin was introduced to the world. Therefore, the inclination or the proclivity to sin is there. That it, was, it is more natural uh, to do the wrong things. And when we say sin, some people think sin is only about hurting your neighbor. No, sin includes gossip, which hurts your neighbor. That includes uh, a grudge. Um, what's... The Tagalog of grudge, sama ng loob. Kinikim kim. That is sin. It's easier to do those things. It's easier to hate somebody. And there are some people on social media, sometimes they just don't agree with you. You like to hate them already. The inclination to sin is easier. That is the flesh. The inclination to do Premarital sex or extramarital, meaning outside marriage, is easier to do because that is the inclination of the flesh. It exists. Now, when we have faith in Him and the Spirit dwells within us, and take note, the indwelling of the Spirit does not require a second experience. Although some of us may experience different gifts of the Spirit, but that is not the discussion today. But faith in Him, according to Scripture, the Spirit is there and is already at work. And theologically, this is sound. So never say to somebody, do you have the Holy Spirit already? Oh, you have to join this experiential meeting we have. I've been to those meetings. I've led some of those meetings. But I'd like to say, but theologically, the Spirit is there if the faith is real. Now, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify. The flesh wants to be gratified. The flesh is hungry. 
The flesh wants to sin. That is a natural inclination. So if you ask me, as some new believers ask me, how do we overcome temptation? It's also here in Galatians, which is what? Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify. So the, the cravings or the desires of the flesh. So the question is, how do we walk by the Spirit? And that is the series we will have, or uh, the next sermons we will have in discussing on how to walk by the Spirit and what does the flesh do? What are the manifestations of the flesh? It will be discussed by Paul as well. And we will see that these things, the manifestations of the flesh, or the inclination to sin, we have done these things. However, how do we win this battle within us? Walk by the Spirit. Now, how do we overcome, for example, a grudge? I just don't like this person because he sort of disagreed with me. Or, I just don't understand I just hate this person, sometimes because they think and act like you, right? You'll be surprised that some of the people we hate look like us and act like us because you only want to be unique. So when you see this person just like you, <laughs> how do we overcome a grudge or an offense? How do we forgive? When Jesus said, forgive, he taught us the prayer, forgive us as we forgive others. He warned us, if you don't forgive, the Father will not forgive. How do we do it? And the answer is here. It is to walk by the Spirit, meaning there is a way. But if you think on the natural sense only, as a natural man, you will say it is impossible to overcome temptation we might agree that nobody is perfect. But we cannot agree that it is impossible. How? Through the Holy Spirit that lives within us as well. And this is where we should not forget Galatians 2.20 when Paul the writer said, I am crucified with Christ. We crucify the flesh. I no longer live. It is not my life, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in Him. Again, the element of faith and the Spirit work together. Now, if we do not walk by the Spirit, naturally it means we will be overpowered with our own flesh. Now, before you blame the devil. Because some Christians always blame the devil. The devil made me do it. Satan tempted me to do it. A usual excuse of some believers. I hope not us. I heard a preacher say, well, it's not a true story. It was an allegory. He said when he went at the backyard of his church, he saw Satan crying. He was crying. And the preacher said, why are you crying? I don't know. All these Christians blame me every day for things I haven't done. 
that's an allegory, not a true story, okay? It is a story made to deliver a point, meaning the temptation comes from here as well. Oh yes, your friends what might make you do some things, tempt you to do some, something, but part of it was already the desire of your flesh. And we have to be aware of this. If we are not aware that there is a battle within, we will always give in, we will always lose. But we have victory in Christ through faith, walking by the Spirit. Next point, flesh versus spirit. Let's read verse 17. For the desires of the flesh, the inclination to sin, right, are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. I would assume that when Paul said the things you want to do is to follow Christ. To do the right thing biblically, to forgive others, to encourage others, to express kind words, for example, or to proclaim the gospel, but the flesh prevents you so there is a battle. Children who are believers know that they have to obey their parents and they try to, but within them, part of them wants to rebel. That's the flesh. Or they follow, but internally they hate it. That is the flesh at work. But how do we overcome it? Now, through the Spirit, one may have faith. And through the Spirit, one learns to love in His name. I put love again because that's within the context, in the earlier verses. You can, we cannot separate these things. It's within a context. Because, for example, obeying your parents with a good heart, well, your heart is bad. You have to understand the inclination to sin of your heart. But by the Spirit, we can learn to obey out of love. And parents, to fulfill our responsibilities because God told us to love and we should take care of our own. We do it not grudgingly, but because of the Spirit that wants us to do it. There is a difference. Where one, if you're under the law, you're forced to do things because you have to, because it's written, you have to do this. Whereas with the Spirit... Now you want to do it because the spirit that works within you wants to obey, wants to follow. So right now when we walk with Christ, there is love and joy and peace and there is patience and there is kindness, etc. But yet no tolerance for false teaching. Always inject that. Remember that Galatians 5, the fruit of the spirit, is within the context of wait, false teaching. Do not distort the gospel. At first, in the first part of the letter, Paul explained what the gospel is or reminded them that justification is by faith alone. In this part where he is now telling them to live properly, to walk by the Spirit, and even citing 
the moral law, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. Meaning, and just a note, he was not contradicting himself when he cited the moral law. Some preachers think that we should eradicate the moral law. No, no. The moral law does not justify. That's the point of Paul. It does not justify. But should we follow the moral law, of course? Even circumcision. You know, Paul allowed Timothy to be circumcised. So he was not against circumcision per se. But when people say you need to be justified by the works of the law, which is first circumcision and then the rest of the law, then that is wrong. And his blood boils about it, saying justification is by faith alone. And then lastly, to be led by the Spirit, last point, Spirit-led. Verse 18, let's read that. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The law is not our authority. It is the Spirit of God. We are not slaves to the law. We do it because the Spirit leads us to grow in morality. Because the Spirit leads us to do what is right. But the law does not justify. And that is what we will fight for until we die. Your morality will not save you. False teaching says you need to earn your way into heaven. Scripture says no, we are justified by faith alone. Now Paul then reverted to the Spirit and the law. And if one is led by the Spirit, they are not under the law, same as those who are justified by faith are not under the law. Now, take note, when Paul said, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. But previously he said that if you are of faith, you are not under the law. So like I said earlier, there seems to be, or there's a strong correlation that either faith or the Spirit exist together. We are not under the law. But be very careful with your logic. That's why you have to think sharply. So does that mean if somebody eats according to the Jewish law, they are violating faith? Not necessarily. Paul calls them the weaker brother. Because the stronger brother is so solid by faith, it doesn't matter anymore. But some of them still feel because traditionally and culturally that was part of them, we have to allow that culture in a manner of speaking, but be very careful to emphasize that does not save. Only faith in Him. And I'm talking about Jewish culture. And how do we apply it here? Well, there are certain cultural traits of Filipinos that are wonderful. And we should encourage it. That is not anti-biblical. That could be neutral. Some even more positive. But that does not save. Only justification or righteousness is through faith alone. The connection between faith and the Spirit is evident 
Those justified by faith are not under the law. And those led by the Spirit are not under the law. Through the Spirit, we may have faith, which justify, justifies something the law cannot do. Why we are not under the law, the law cannot save. Only faith in Christ. So, what do we do now? Number one, walk by the Spirit. One, number one application, walk by the Spirit. If we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What does walking by the Spirit mean? In a previous statement, Paul described the relationship between the Spirit and faith. Thus, it means walking by faith. Again, walking by faith. What does walking by faith mean? It means you trust and believe in the words of Christ or in the words of Scripture. That is faith rather than believing in yourself. To walk by faith is to trust in Him always. At the moment of temptation, for example, and we have faced temptation before, if faith kicks in, if I live by faith, I would think the Holy Scriptures warned me about this. If I give in, the complications are worse. Because, I, for example, extramarital sex is forbidden because it does complicate things, so many things. That includes premarital sex. That complicates so many things. But recognizing that the flesh exists is very important. Because if you don't recognize it exists, and if you allow me to say, share a more modern, creative way of saying it, it is your darker side. It exists. But can we overcome, of course? Those who are not in Christ only live by the flesh. To those who are in Christ, we live by faith. In fact, you will experience this, that the more you meditate on God's Word, you feel spiritually stronger. Because faith and the Word works together. You're believing in the words more and you are enlightened by the word. And you believe in it. You anchor yourself there. Even when temptation is strong because you anchor yourself there, somehow you're stronger because you believe in his words more than the gratification of the flesh. And you know that the gratification of the flesh is temporary but can mess up your life forever. It's possible. But then knowing the Word, now living by faith. If we walk by the Spirit, we will overcome the temptation to bite and devour one another. We will remove all grudges and all desires for vengeance. Instead, we will learn to love our neighbor as ourselves. We will stop biting one another. It exists. The flesh so don't go on telling me you're such a good boy or girl. That's why in Romans, Paul wrote, no one is good. You think you're a good boy? You're a good girl? And that's what parents make a mistake when they're still children. They seem to be good boys and girls, right? J.C. Ryle, a theologian, said, yeah, uh, they seem like angels. But the truth is, they are little demons. Because nobody is good. Everybody has the inclination to sin. 
That is why that little child must know the gospel, must learn faith. Because no matter what we do, if we try to shape our children, we will fail. But we must lead them to the word and faith. And we have to pray that it is the Spirit who will be at work with them. We will nudge a little, we will hear, nudge a little, but all towards the direction of the word of God and to have faith. That is the main thing of raising children, by the way. Now, what is the main thing of growing old? It is back to the scriptures. Some of us are so proud, we have so much experience that people should listen to us. It's nice and not nice. It's good and not good. Your wisdom might be able to help everybody, but your wisdom is not the gospel. And your wisdom, we must, you must share what you've learned in life. But the centrality of it is who Christ is. Son of God, Son of David. God coming in the form of man. To live as a man among men that he may one day represent us as the high priest. He must also live as a man even though he is God. He did not leave his position as God, but take note. He did not see it for a time. He left many of the things for a time and lived like a man, experiencing hunger and temptation. And after being tempted without sin, only he is worthy. What's the connection of dying on the cross and salvation? You have to understand the Old Testament ceremonies to appreciate that. You have to go back to Exodus. You have to even go back to Genesis to, to appreciate that. And we took around four years, Genesis and Exodus. Those are wonderful times. Were you here? I, I love the lessons there, but they provide a foundation for us when we discussed our series on Hebrews and then now Galatians. Walk by the Spirit so that we will not fulfill what? The gratitude. We will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Next is awareness of opposing forces. We have to be aware it exists. The spirit is against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. Yes, in your mind it battles. In your emotion it battles. In your physicality it battles. Sometimes when I joke around, when I know the temptation is happening, I just imagine little demons whispering at me. But again, I can't blame the demons because it's really me, right? It's my flesh. But sometimes I try to imagine, no, no. And when I feel depressed and not smile and express the joy of the Lord which is found in the Spirit, I just feel like these little demons are hanging on my face. So I look sad and depressed. But when I say, I need to walk by the Spirit again, what does the Word say? He is sovereign. Our God is in control. And because of that now, I can smile at the storm. I can smile through the crisis. I will work and solve the crisis, of course. 
but then part of me is assured. I can trust the outcome because my God is in control. It doesn't mean what I like. The outcome I like will happen always. Sometimes it will not. But then even if it's an outcome that I do not want, I have to trust in Him. Whether it looks terrible or it looks worse, even as worse as losing somebody we love, we have to trust God. And we have to say, it is well, O Lord. I have faith in you. It is well with my soul. I trust in your plan. You are good always. Now, we cannot position ourselves for victory if we are unaware of the battle between these forces. We must understand that the desire of the flesh is against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. Although through faith we are justified, take note, through faith we are justified, but after that there is still a battle. You might be justified already, saved by God's grace, but it's not like the fairy tale that your problems will all go away and everything's going to be okay. No, your soul, by God's grace, is saved. But that doesn't mean there will be no more temptations and no more battles. The battle still exists. We cannot position ourselves for victory if we are unaware of the battle between flesh and spirit. An awareness of the tension may lead us to consciously or subconsciously give no opportunity to the flesh. Take no false words. Give no opportunity. Just a little bit, the flesh is rising a bit. Boom! You capture every thought right there. Or by faith, through the Spirit, you shoot down every temptation that you know this is not according to Scripture. You guard your mind and your heart with these thoughts that can torment you. Be aware that there are two opposing forces. Third, led by the Spirit. The Spirit leads and guides those justified by faith. If we are justified by faith, we can believe we are led by the Spirit of God. How do you know? Well, there's just a different set of eyes when you look at Scripture. Suddenly there's a change. Suddenly the heart change. You want to follow. But then beware, as Paul has warned them, do not go back to slavery again. When somebody should tell you, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this, you should do this. Uh, yes and no, not, that's not the way. We have to, yes, fear God. Yes, we have to, to uh, still follow the moral law, but there's a change in heart, not because we have to, not because we're forced to, but the Spirit changes our hearts because now we want to. And if we have not experienced that, that is what we need to pray for. Lord, teach me to have faith. Spirit of God, come to me. If you are not yet, you have not yet come to him in faith, full faith. 
and trusting with him everything, trusting everything he has done and said, especially the suffering and death and resurrection. Then we come to him and then we pray and trust that the Holy Spirit will be there. Now, going back, justification. As those who are justified by faith are not under the law, those led by the Spirit are also not under the law. We should not allow the law to lead us, but the Spirit. Take note. It is not the law that leads us, but the Spirit of God. Meaning our faith and the Spirit of God go together. We fulfill the law. And one of the things that Paul cited is Leviticus 19.18 is to love your neighbor as yourself. And please take note, if, if you really want details on that, you go back to chapter 19 of Leviticus. Not your modern interpretation of love. Not your touchy-feely interpretation of love. You go back to that, which includes not to lie to one another, which includes what? When you harvest, leave some so that the poor can gather what you're supposed to harvest. Meaning a portion of what we earn, we give and we empower others. It includes not bearing a grudge and not taking vengeance towards one another. That is loving one another. So if we lie, that is not loving one another. If we are not truthful, that is not loving one another. That is according to Leviticus 19. You may refer to that. Yet all the whole law of the Old Testament, even the civil law when you kill somebody accidentally, somebody's cow, you have to pay for that cow. That is included in loving one another. That is the fulfillment of the law, or that is the summary of the law. I'm sorry, it's a summary of the law. It's learning how to treat one another properly. Now, if you say you're not under, under the law, does that mean you do not live morally? No, no. That is a false teaching as well, known as antinomianism, where if you think you're saved by grace through faith, therefore you have the freedom to sin, that is the wrong concept of the gospel. The right concept, we are not saved by our morality, only through faith in Him. However, if your faith is genuine, the Holy Spirit will lead you to fulfill the moral law as well. Justification is by faith alone, through the aid of the Spirit, not by obeying the law. However, the Spirit leads us to fulfill the moral law, such as loving our neighbor as ourselves but not as a requirement for justification. On the modern day, many preachers or teachers focus more on what? Practical Christian living. Now, can you imagine if I jump to this text, just loving one another without discussing that he who distorts the gospel is accursed? Can you imagine? Then we would have little, we would just say everybody's okay without correcting one another when it comes to the accuracy of the gospel. That will be out of place. But if we, because we studied from chapter 1 all throughout, step by step, we have this bigger picture, a more clear picture of what Paul wanted to say, and most importantly, the logic of what he's saying. The word we use for logos, we say as word of God, 
also means logic in Greek. Take note. You have to understand Paul logically to, un- to understand his theology. And if you understand the theology, then you can practice properly. The spirit versus the flesh. I give you right now a piece of poetry. Last week, I had poetry, but I forgot to share it. Therefore, after you've left, we recorded it. So you'll find it in the recording. Forgive me for that. But now I give you this poem, Spirit versus Flesh. There are two opposing forces, for sure from different sources. One is the flesh which leads to sin, and the spirit who comes from him. Let us not give in to the flesh, but through the spirit be refreshed. Let's understand what might stop us learning it is truly a must. Through Him, we're justified by faith. It's the Spirit, as Paul explained. Moreover, He shall battle. The flesh, the Spirit will rattle. The Spirit freed us from the law. Forever we shall stand in awe. The gospel is indeed good news. Therefore, how then may we refuse? Let us all rise and let us pray. Thank you, good Father. Thank you, good Father. Only God is good. We are sinners with the inclination to sin. We have sinned with our tongues, our mouths, our words. We have sinned with our minds and hearts and our bodies. Forgive us, O Lord. Yet we thank you that through faith and the Spirit, We are justified by faith alone. And the Spirit comes and teaches us. We pray, teach us to walk by the Spirit. To walk by faith in you and the words you have spoken. Teach us to treat it like like bread or food. So that our spiritual lives will be nourished. For faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. More specifically, the Gospel of Christ. Teach us to anchor ourselves on You and Your Gospel and Your Word through Your Spirit. May we give no opportunity for the flesh. Because the darker side sometimes wants to come out and manifest itself. The flesh wants to. It is hungry. Yet teach us not to feed it. So it will become weak. No matter how hungry the flesh is. And teach us to walk and live by the Spirit. For the just shall live by faith. And we who live by faith must walk by the Spirit. So that we will not gratify the cravings of the flesh. In our lives be glorified. Thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. 
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. Good morning. God bless you all.